Hello and welcome to another episode of The Genius Podcast. My name is Karen Doyle, your host and founder of The Genius Project, an initiative for Catholic women designed to resource and support them towards growth in all areas of life, spiritual, personal and professional. We seek to do this through The Genius Podcast, which you're listening to, the Catholic Women's Masterclass, our Genius Academy and our Catholic Coaching Programs for Women. You can find out about these initiatives by visiting our website, www.geniusproject.co or following us on Instagram, genius underscore project underscore daily. On this week's episode of the Genius Podcast, I'm going to be having a very deep and profound conversation with the very beautiful Angela Schneiders. Angela is an entrepreneur, a coach, and an international speaker on faith, the integrated life, and living a life of contribution. Angela shares very beautifully and vulnerably about her struggle with mental health, depression, and how once she hit burnout, the Lord brought about a real and lasting work of restoration in her life. Ladies, this conversation is so rich, and so I really wanna encourage you to carve out some time and space to really listen and to soak in the words and the wisdom that Angela shares in this episode. Sometimes the Lord is doing a deep work in individual hearts, but what I'm seeing at the moment, walking with so many women through coaching, through the masterclass and walking pastorally with them is a real move of the Lord in this area of restoration. And I really believe that the Lord is wanting to do a deep work of restoration in your mind, in your heart, your body and your soul at the moment. We can sleepwalk through our lives, ladies, but the Lord is wanting to restore us so that we can live into the fullness of who He has created us to be. In today's podcast conversation, Angela and I explore this concept of what it means to be restored and how we can live a life that is integrated and whole in Christ. No matter what age or season you find yourself in right now in your life, I promise you that you are going to walk away with so many pearls of wisdom from this conversation. So ladies, sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation with Angela. Well, Angela, welcome to the Genius Podcast. It's a real pleasure to have you. I know we have a mutual friend, uh, Therese Nichols, here in Australia, and it's you both, we all speak so highly of one another, so it's really lovely to connect with you. So welcome. Oh, Karen, I am just truly honored and delighted to be here. Um, again, I was so blessed to meet Therese Nichols four years ago, providentially, and she is, she began speaking of you almost from the very beginning. And now to meet you, we have another mutual friend in January Donovan. And so this is just truly a providential moment and encounter. And I'm just so, so honored to be with you. Oh, it's beautiful. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. I feel that connection and that kindred spirit nature just based in the work that we're both doing with women and supporting women to live lives of balance and wholeness in Christ and to really grow into the fullness of who they're created to be. But before we jump into talking about all those good things, I'm wondering if you can share a little bit about your story because you've had an amazing journey that actually brought you to this place. And I'd love you to share that if you're open. Oh, absolutely, Karen. And again, all glory to God. Um, I uh, was very blessed to grow up in a a beautiful Catholic home. My parents are my heroes. They love our Lord. They love us. They love one another and they sacrificed. They are, they, they were disciplined and did 
just so many acts of sacrificial love for my brothers and I, which just tilled that soil and laid the foundation. They didn't, they didn't preach at us. They lived the faith mm. and, um, and just cultivated the soil of our hearts. Um, but it's fascinating, Karen, because I actually grew up in a very um, evangelical Protestant community. Uh, it's a small town in East Central Illinois in the United States, a couple hours south of Chicago. And as, as, a, as a Roman Catholic, we were very much in the minority. In fact, our parish was only founded in like the 1980s. Really? Um, and so I went to public school, you know, just our local, our local public school for K through 12. And it was interesting, Karen, because most of my peers, um, the Catholic ones were the ones that weren't making the best choices, weren't my role models that I wanted to emulate. And my Protestant friends um, were living these beautiful lives. And so there was a pivotal moment my sophomore year of high school. Um, I was about 15, 16 years old. And I had joined the cross country team, which was, you know, long distance running in high school. There's not a lot of glory, a lot of suffering. And there was a particular gal on my team, Sarah. She was our number one runner, stunning blonde, um, just beautiful, radiant, had that personality that just drew everyone to her. She truly was a light. And not only was she the best athlete, she was a brilliant student, just an integrated woman. But what struck me about her, Karen, was she was so rooted and grounded in who she was as a beloved daughter. She mm. just, she spoke about Jesus as if she, he was her best friend. And I just hadn't encountered that before in a personal way. So without her giving me a gospel presentation, I just, I wanted what she had. And I remember asking her one night, I said, Sarah, what's different about you? Is it God? Like, I just can't quite figure you out. And so Karen, I was so fortunate through Sarah's friendship and several other ladies on my cross country team that I truly got to have authentic, virtuous friendships in high school. We were pursuing the good, beautiful, and true. We were athletes. We were academics. We drew the best out of each other. And because we had so much fun just sharing life, I was shielded from so many of those temptations to get into things that could have been harmful, you know, drugs, sex, you know, alcohol, partying, like all of that just seemed like, no, why? Like, I know what the real thing tastes like. And there were these friendships so rooted in Christ. But what happened, I was confirmed on the Feast of St. Therese, our dear friend Therese, who connected us uh, uh, October 1st of, I believe, 1997. And I believe that was a watershed moment in my life because Karen, I should be an evangelical Protestant out planting churches right now. <laughs> I, I love my evangelical brothers and sisters and I'm so grateful for them, but I think it was the grace of confirmation, the example and witness of my parents that even though I didn't have peers to look to at that time in my life who were profoundly living their Catholic faith, I just knew that I knew there was something in the church. And it was also about this time, there was an incredible um, university, the University of Illinois, that was about 20 minutes away from where I grew up. And we would actually go to the Newman Center uh, frequently for masks. And that was the first time that I really experienced authentic, beautiful liturgy. Mm. And again, I didn't have a language for it. I didn't have, I wasn't well, well catechized per se. My parents did the best they could. I just wasn't absorbing. Um, so I couldn't articulate Jesus's real presence in the Eucharist, but during um, consecration, I would just start crying and I couldn't tell you why. So something in my heart was being moved so deeply. So when my evangelical friends who were my, my big sisters, my role models, my mentors in every way began to say, well, Angel, why are you Catholic? What about Mary? What about confession and this priest thing? And all these questions, I was just kind of a deer in headlights. 
But I said, there's something here. And so my prayer was, Lord, I think you're in the Catholic church, but you're going to have to show me. And so before my senior photo shoot, uh, it's kind of a big thing here in the States before your senior year of high school, you know, you get your photos taken. My photographer happened to be a convert. So what was supposed to be about an hour photo shoot turned into a four hour photo session. Wow! And I'm just drilling him with questions coming back. So Karen, I walked out of that photo shoot with Dr. Scott Hans, Rome Sweet Home, A Lamb Supper, oh. Kimberly Hans Conversion oh, wow. Story, A Rosary, A Scapular. Like, the rest I was, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And again, as my evangelical friends, again, whom I adore and love, are asking me, well, Andrew, show me where that is in scripture. Mm. All of a sudden, our Lord is like bringing me one of the most brilliant biblical theologians of, you know, the past several hundred years in Dr. Scott Hahn, who's laying out the biblical foundations of our Catholic faith. Mm. So not only did that, our Lord just gave me this huge bear hug and bring me to himself in the church. But it also, because my parents, most of their friends were evangelical, it lit a renewed fire in them. And it just, they ended up um, pulling my youngest brother out of uh, public school and putting him in the Catholic school, 25 miles away. They just finished finally building the, the Catholic school, the Catholic high school. My mom started teaching theology there. She was, had been working on her master's in English and theology. And so like there was this whole pivot moment in our family. And so I went off to university with this newfound zeal for the faith and went to a very secular university as a collegiate athlete my first two years, but then actually transferred back to the University of Illinois in 2001 as a junior because I knew how strong their Catholic center was. So I could literally get almost a Catholic education at a Big Ten university. And it was there that I met... um, the most incredible community of religious sisters, dynamic, faithful priests. I was taking graduate level Catholic courses at a, again, a, a secular university and also encountered some missionaries mm-hmm. uh, focus fellowship of Catholic university students founded by doctors, um, excuse me, founded really by Dr. Scott Hahn planted the seeds with, with Curtis Martin and helped him to launch focus back in the late, late nineties. And so I was able to be a part of the cusp of the new evangelization here in the States and really kind of get direct discipleship from, you know, indirectly through Curtis Martin and Dr. Ted Shree and Dr. Gray yeah. and, you know, <laughs> all of these giants, you know, who, and, 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 and Jeff Cavins. And so Karen, I just share that with you because obviously coming from that place where I felt so alone as a Catholic hmm. during my key formative years and then falling in love with Jesus in the Eucharist and encountering our lady in the rosary and through, through Fulton Sheen in a, in a world's first love and getting this vision and then finally encountering these beautiful Catholic young missionaries where I was like, finally, I don't feel alone anymore. I was just compelled. I was on, I want to go on mission. Like my heart was so on fire to share that love of Christ in the church with others. And so I joined focus as a missionary. Um, I got to study in Rome for a little bit of time in university, which was really special, but Karen, I shared this with you because my zeal for mission led me to have some incredible experiences, you know, on different universities here in the United States. But what happened about seven or eight years in is I experienced profound burnout. Mm. Yeah. Depletion mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, to the point where people would have thought, thought um, from the outside, Angela just looks a little tired. I mean, she's, she, she's still kind of holding it together, but inside I was just a skeleton. I was still praying, yes, but just totally depleted and really, really starting to experience almost profound depression. 
mm-hmm. which I, I felt very ashamed about. Yeah. I didn't have a language for, so I'm going to pause right there. Yeah. Um, but I just wanted to share a little bit of that, that coming from a beautiful family, but for the grace of God, I was spared from so many sufferings or temptations during my high school and university in my early twenties, you know, our Lord just had his hand on me. And yet I still fell into this, this mental illness mm. for a time in this season yeah. because I didn't have the skills to, yeah. to manage my integrated wholeness and health. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that because I I think we'll definitely come back and pick up on that because that will be our segue into our conversation. I just think there is so much in what we're going to discuss today for every woman of every age and season of life, because all of us at some point hit a point where we are just on that hustle treadmill and our culture is so geared that way that we do, we feel inadequate and we feel like failures and we feel like we should just, we should, we should, we should keep going, but what's in us can't sustain us. And so there does come a point in all of our lives where we're going to have to answer some big questions and start to rebuild our life. And so we'll come back to that because I think that is the guts of this conversation, but just going back to your sharing, and I think it's really helpful understanding one another's stories. I often think when we encounter people in life, we can be irritated by people or we don't understand what makes them tick. But I think when we take the time to really understand and inquire and get curious about their story, we can see that person in the fullness of who they are and and the story that they have. And I think similar to you, I had a similar experience of growing up in a Catholic home. My mum was actually Anglican, dad was Catholic. So we were very ecumenical my dad had a catholic bookshop and so the bookshop was often asked to go to a lot of the pentecostal churches to run book tables so i really i share that heart for um just the different denominations and what we bring to one another but growing up in a catholic home catholic schools i ran catholic youth ministry i went to all the stuff and you know i got to my 26 years of age and that was my point You, you shared your point mine was this beginning of a six-year journey of infertility but it was at that point I came across John Paul II's writings on womanhood for the very first time now he wrote a lot of those documents when I was in grade six or seven at school and I'd never heard them and I think what you were touching on there that we have so many beautiful treasures in our church that can actually help and guide us to live a whole life But sometimes the church fails or doesn't communicate very well those treasures in a way that connects with our heart and makes them like practical and meaningful. And and I love the work that you and I both have the privilege of doing with women at the moment because that's exactly what we're doing. My husband has many great sayings. My One of my favorites is the church has the best product in the world with the worst marketing department. Karen, you couldn't have said it better because that was the cry of my heart in high school is if this is really what the church believes, why has nobody, why has nobody ever told me this? I know. It's, she's it's got right. the best answer and the most complete answer and it answers all fit together. Yes. It's sheer genius. She understands my heart. Mm-hmm. And, and that I think is, is such a part of our mission and call is to make the exquisite treasure and exquisite beauty that the church is almost like covering up and burying in a, under a pile of yes. <laughs> something not so pretty. Yes. Um, making it accessible and practical, something we can live. Because when you, when you, when it captures your soul, and I think it really captivates your soul. I remember 
we moved to North Queensland, lived and worked in a boys boarding school for two years before going to Melbourne, the other side of Australia, to study at the Pontifical Institute where we did our master's in marriage and family studies. And as I was doing this study, it was like light bulb after light bulb just turning on and something in my soul came to life. And, and I think this is where my connection with John Paul II's feminine genius really began mm-hmm. because it came to me at a moment where I was really broken in my womanhood. I couldn't have children. I couldn't do what I was. I felt I was meant to do. Couldn't fulfill that purpose. What did my marriage mean if we couldn't be fruitful and multiply? And it was such a season, particularly towards the end of those six years of deep grief and deep questioning and an and identity crisis, really. And what John Paul II's teachings did and, and understanding the richness of the church, of redemptive suffering, of uniting you know, the pain in our heart to Christ on the cross and just what he can bring, the beauty that he can bring from that place can transform that. And I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind sharing, just you touched on hitting this season of burnout where you obviously felt very broken. You mentioned you were ashamed of mental illness and feeling depressed. Mm -hmm. Can you take us back to that moment and, and what happened for you? And then I guess, what was that enlightening moment that sort of awoken your heart to Christ's presence. Absolutely, Karen. And we have, again, such, such a kindred spirit, so many similar parallels in our journey, because like you, you know, um, during this, I was just such a sponge, you know, in my, of course, God willing still to this day. But as you said, it was like, I just became, I I just could not get enough. Mm -hmm. I could not get enough. I would actually at our Newman center. That was my, uh, their library was my, my little study cubby. And so I would just have all these robes of books around me and, and like you just fell in love with, with St. John Paul II during, um, during those years in university. And I had initially planned to study abroad in Australia. That was my dream. But then as I fell in love with John Paul, I was like, I want to go to Rome. So I actually studied in Rome for a whole semester. This would have been, I went summer on pilgrimage of 2002 and got to see him several times and then went back again, spring of 2003. And so I was able to go to almost all of his Wednesday audiences. So he was, he was still speaking, still teaching. And it was was, basically a year and a half before he went home to our Lord. And so exactly as you described, he gave a language and a meaning and purpose to my life. It was like, he was reading my soul. Mm. Yes. And, and then you know, as, as a former, very competitive athlete. And I was you know, kind of a tomboy, you know, but, but really just again, in and through the, in my very younger years, but then in and through the influence of my beautiful fellowship in high school. And then John Paul's writings and St. Edith Stein mm-hmm. and Alice von Hildebrand and others like came alive in what the exquisite gift of being a woman mm-hmm. and what that means. And so getting to my crisis point, because it had such this, such a rich incubator experience in my, my late teens, my early twenties, where I experienced that belovedness Mm. of what it is to be a beloved daughter. And so what happened, Karen, is this lie crept in. And especially I discerned religious life very seriously 
both in Rome and here in the States, was so ready to give my, my whole heart to the Lord and wanted to be his bride. And I actually did a whole year-long discernment program my junior year of university. Again, continued to discern with, with several different orders. Went back to the Sisters of Life, who are based in New York, New York about every couple of years. We and just kept knocking. the conception of our children because yes. they just prayed yes. and prayed for us. We spoke yes. at a conference with them in New Zealand and we were in, I was just so, in such a state of despair. And I remember sitting in the stairwell with a couple of the sisters and they said, well, we are going to pray. And two months later, we conceived our first child. So there you go. So we, we, uh, we hold the sisters up. <laughs> Oh, I tell you, I, there's, there's several orders that I just adore. Yes. Um, but had I, had I been called, I would be with them right now. Um, and in fact, on my 30th birthday, I just broken up with another phenomenal man, but it just, it just hadn't worked out. And my first call after within 30 minutes of breaking up was I called the mother house and I happened to get mother Agnes on the phone. And I said, hi mother, this is Angela. <laughs> How when's your cutoff date? She's like, well, you know, we're a little older than maybe 35. I'm like, that's great. <laughs> Any other questions? Yet? Nope, not today. <laughs> Hung back up. So <laughs> but I, yeah, but I share that with you because our Lord, I literally just got to bask in Eucharistic adoration and daily mass and a sacramental life. And then living at the heart of the church in Rome at the eternal city for five or six months. And, and just experiencing who I am as a beloved daughter in the gaze of the father. And then in that missionary zeal, which um, just in, in a rapidly, you know, it's the, one of the fastest growing missionary organizations in the world. And I was right at the tip of the spear and all of that was on three different, three different campuses and a team director, then a regional director, and then moving almost every year, this lie crept in. And especially because as our Lord hid my vocation at the, it, that's what it, perceived to be, you know, I did not feel that call. The desire was there, but it was like a hand against my chest with religious life. And I was surrounded by all these phenomenal men and was so fortunate to date incredible men, but three of the men I'd love deeply and loved me in return. We never officially dated, but just had a very profound friendship. I ended up going off to seminary and, um, and then dated other men who were, I just had such a rich dating experience, but they just, it just, that didn't work out. It just was not right. So I began to feel less and less like a beloved daughter. And then like a servant mm. to the point where I felt like a slave that Lord, you are in this lie crept in that you just want me for my, my, because I'm what I can do for you. And I I'm speaking and you have me traveling. And then I'm being told I'm intimidating because I have these leadership positions. And so it, the evil one allowed, uh, that a lie to creep in that I was being used by the father. Yeah. And so the gift, Karen, when I hit that crisis moment, I was literally diagnosed with depression at Johns Hopkins University they, after Lyme's disease tests and every other medical exam of what's going on. Our Lord's mercy, our Lord's mercy that he gave me that, I'm going to call it a gift because I literally had hours and days when I couldn't get out of bed. It was that bad. But what he was doing, it was that bad. Mm -hmm. I, I, I praise God for the gift of my parents who just accompanied me. And I was around this time that I met January Donovan, who never looked at me as someone who was sick or had mental illness, but they saw Angela and they, they just said, this is, we're going to get through this and we're going to be by your side. But what and happened during those times of just feeling, Lord, what have I, I've wasted. I gave you my twenties. I gave you my best years of my life. I, I feel this burning desire for marriage and family. And yet that's elusive. You're not calling me to religious life. I felt like, you know, 
I, I, Catherine of Siena and St. Gemma Golgani became my closest friends because neither of them were really, they were uh, kind of living like I was. They weren't religious and they weren't married. They were living on that, that fine line in between. But Karen, our Lord gave me that gift because he literally held me down hmm. to show me he doesn't love me for my gifts. He doesn't love me for what I can do for him. He loves me. Hmm. He just wants to be with me. And he wants me to abide in him. And what he did was he restored. I literally had a second conversion experience hmm. as his beloved daughter. And it met, and then he started to invite me, you know, Angela, is your trust in, in your missionary work or is it in me? And he began to, he literally, I heard him like in the words of Isaiah, he invited me into the desert with him. And he asked me to, you know, I had a leader, you know, profound leadership positions and was, was, you know, just at this, this organization was my family. And I, and I still have the deepest love and admiration and, and profound gratitude. My brother was also a missionary deepest of gratitude. This could happen to me anywhere. You know, this is just my, my journey uh, that he had to bring me on, but in inviting me into the desert in that total nakedness before him, he was able to destroy that old foundation, which took me to a certain point, but he wanted to take me beyond intimacy with him to true identification. Mm. So he, you know, think about, you know, Elizabeth of the Trinity has been my guide um, so much of this journey, the past seven years, and even just her name, home, how Elizabeth is house of God, house of the Trinity. And she has been discipling me that our Lord desires to make his home in us. You know, we are his living tabernacles and we don't have to make ourselves fruitful. It's our, our abiding in him and remaining in him and living in his gaze. Amen. Amen. That's what makes it then the natural order of things is fruitfulness. Absolutely. So that crisis point that he brought me to, again, we can only connect the dots looking backwards mm. has been my greatest gift mm. that I met January Donovan during this season and, and began to you know, work backwards because we've been given these exquisite gifts in the theology of the body. And, and again, the writings of St. Edith, St. Shine, St. Teresa Benedict of the cross and, and so many others, but as we begin our conversation today, those are very theoretical. Mm. And that's, there was elements of my formation that were missing, not because I missed out on something, but because they hadn't fully been developed yet because our world has changed so quickly in the past 40 or 50 years. So the, the skill mindsets and skill sets that our mothers had or grandmothers had are almost obsolete in some regards, advent of the internet and social media and immediate gratification and our pace of life. And, and, and so I needed to literally be rebuilt. Yeah. You can't keep up. No. You can't keep up. So we need a whole new set of mindset and skill set and formation and training so that especially as lay women in the world, and even for our religious sisters as well, we can live that profound abiding and interior life. Yeah. It's so, that domestic church in the world. So true. So beautiful. Thank you so much for being so vulnerable and sharing because I, I truly believe, I, I think you would have heard this quote from Brene Brown. She said, vulnerability is the last thing I want you to see in me, but it's the first thing I look for in you to know that you're a safe person who I can abide in, who I can rest my soul under. And Edith Stein, she's, if, if I had a patron saint of Genius Project, it would be Edith Stein. Yeah. 
But she talks about a woman's soul being that place where others can come. Where, when a woman is at rest, when she's at peace and when she's mm. grounded, when she's whole in herself, then she becomes this light. She becomes this shelter in which other people can come and their souls can then unfold. And I, going back to talking about John Paul II's writings, like that was one thing that really struck me, that opening statement of Mulieris Dignitatum that mm. Women filled with the spirit of the gospel can do so much to aid humanity in not falling. That we are, and this is what struck me during my season, was that mm-hmm. I started to feel like I was a problem, I was a failure. Not so much that my body was, but like you talked about that line, the enemy comes in and he, the experiences in our life, he enters into those. And if we're mm-hmm. not guarding our hearts well, He'll often, it'll be very, very subtle, but that lie is implanted through our experiences and then we form beliefs and then we start to live out of those beliefs and how detrimental and damaging that is Mm -hmm. for us Mm -hmm. and then those people who may need to come and rest under the shelter of our soul. And you touched on that that scripture of being led into the desert and similar to you, my scripture during this season of my life that one of a beautiful priest gave to me was from Hosea that I will lead her mm-hmm. into the desert and there I will speak tenderly to her. And that was exactly it. That, yes, that was the word. It was like, yeah, yep, I will learn and I will speak tenderly to her heart. And I think we, we shy away from, and we often, I mean, it's natural. Like we are geared towards protecting ourselves in life. So we don't want to go headlong into suffering, do we? Like it's not a pleasant experience, but it is precisely in those experiences that the Lord, they are the most sacred experiences in our life. And to fight against them is to fight against the greatest work that the Lord wants to do in our soul and in our heart. And you said that word to restoration. And I think this is a key word and a message that I really feel is anointed at the moment. This this word restoration that the Lord is wanting to break through at this moment to bring about restoration in the lives and the hearts and the minds of women. Because we're entering this moment in history where we need women. The culture needs women. We spoke about going through Catholic schools and not hearing a message. Like I look at my daughter's Catholic girls high school. It's disgraceful what's happening in there. It's just so far removed from nurturing these young girls in what it means to be mostly anti-gospel in many in most I won't even share on air but it is nothing short of disgraceful and we need women who are going to embody be the women who are filled with the spirit of the gospel but as you mentioned how can we be those women like we know as practicing catholic women and predominantly my listeners are practicing Mm -hmm. and they're very well formed they've been walking the faith for many years how can we be that answer when we ourselves can't even answer our own questions and our own problems and when we're floundering interiorly, when we're completely breaking down from burnout mm-hmm. and exhaustion. And I'd love to segue into that if we can, because I think this is a fundamental struggle of many women. I have friends, yes. myself, you know, you would know women as well. And the women that we walk with and we pastor are all experiencing this to a greater or lesser degree. And And it it has no, there's no correlation with level of formation or level of holiness. And I think that's a very important thing as well. This is indiscriminate. Um, And uh, yeah, I I just, I just want to provide that caveat because that's an important thing to note. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So look, I think Edith Stein, she talks about 
this idea of wholeness and women being whole because then other women can enter her presence and experience that wholeness and really our whole lives are geared towards making a gift of self now there's a fine line for women between being the perpetual givers and burning out with total neglect for ourselves, and that's actually not biblical talk about this quality of the feminine genius being generosity but that doesn't mean to pour until empty and to pour until damaged so we have to yes we are called to be generous as women but we simultaneously need to nurture ourselves and I think we might start here because I believe this is a real stronghold for women there's this lie that tells Mm -hmm. women that you can't sow into or pour into yourself but the bottom line is we have, if we have nothing to give, we have nothing to give. Have nothing. So I'm interested in your thoughts, Angela, just around, are you seeing this in the lives of women? I know that you are, but how does that show up for women? Absolutely. Well, again, again, we are just such kindred spirits because that quote, and there's, there's a meditation that I've listened to probably over 50 or 60 times um, by a beautiful um, Franciscan sister here in the States, who's one of the foremost scholars on St. Edith Stein. And again, that quote of, as women become whole, we become pillars on which others can lean to be made whole. Mm, I love that. And when I read that and then heard that, I just stopped because St. Edith Stein, you know, during those years when she was teaching in the Catholic school, and as testimonies were gathered after her death, and I've been to Auschwitz, I've, I've walked there to, to, wow. to just be in her presence. Um, they said she had such a capacity to see our hidden burdens. Mm-hmm. She was so present. And that's the key, Karen, is as women, we have to be such stewards of our lives. And even just going back to the beautiful book, spiritual classic, the soul of the apostolate by, by Dom, Dom Gerard. For those who speak French, forgive me for my not pronouncing that well, but if I could boil that whole book down, the soul of the apostolate, it's that we're not called to be channels. We're called to be reservoirs. And there's that image of a reservoir. I literally was at some beautiful hot springs here in Montana, just about an hour from my home last week with it, with my husband and another dear family. And think about a reservoir or a spring that is bubbling over with life. That's who we're called to be as women, that just an experience of our presence is nourishing and elevating and restful and restorative and an affirmation and reminder of our exquisite dignity. Absolutely. So how as women... Can we be these reservoirs if we are running ourselves into the ground like I did? So, we and it wasn't, I was intentionally, and I was still, I was still praying. I was trying to eat well. Yeah. I was working out, but it's deeper than that. It is. Because I think, again, the, the language that St. John Paul and St. Edith Stein have given us is, is so much deeper, even than that. That word balance is such a beautiful word, but I think it's even deeper. I think it's integration. Yes, it is. Absolutely. Which I know that is such is the the passion of your heart is how do we live as integrated women in 2022? Yes. And this requires, I think, a whole new level of mastery and human formation. Grace builds upon nature. 
And so that's so much of even our work at the wholeness school. And I know that the work of the genius project is how do we reverse engineer the Proverbs 31 woman? What are the practical mindsets and skill sets? And uh, in a sense, how do we, how do we rebuild um, that Benedictine lifestyle in the midst of, of 2022? Yes. As especially for, for our religious who are not pure contemplatives, you know, they have a very ordered life, even for our active contemplative religious, for our single women and for our married women. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's the invitation, um, to, to really, we have to first train our minds. I'm so convicted that sanctity in the 21st century is a battle for our mind. Absolutely. hundred percent. I'm so big on that too, because it all begins in our mind. Everything, if you trace all of that back, if you trace the results you're getting and the ways that you're showing up or not showing back, uh, sorry, showing up in your life. And then you look at the feelings and the emotions. And sometimes we just start spinning in these spinning anxiety and, and fear and tension and everything. But even before that is a thought, thought. and it starts with a thought. And so being yes. renewed by the transformation of your mind is really where our energy needs to go. And it has to start there. Absolutely. It has to start there, Karen. That's exactly it. Because literally the word became flesh. Yes. Our thoughts determine our reality. Mm-hmm. So if you're experiencing a state of profound anxiety, which is just literally a, a physical vibration, I use that word vibration, not in a kooky way, but literally that's what it is. It's a visceral reaction in our body as a result of our thoughts. So trace back, what were my thoughts in the past 10 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, chances are you were thinking it was a scarcity thought. It was negative self-talk. It was doubt. It was fear that were sown. And so I think Karen, we could not agree more that to begin with as women, we have to begin managing our minds and exercising our minds like a muscle in the same way that we would try to steward our bodies. Yes. Because unfortunately, you know, again, I had, I had grading is any family, every family has its, its faults and foibles and areas for growth, but grading on a curve, pretty rock star family. (laughs) I had incredible formation, spiritual formation, human formation, but even in the midst of that 20, 30 years, did I ever really have training on emotional command or mind management? Mm. I had to learn that after my crisis. Yes. By the grace of God, I was still in my thirties. I'm 41 now. But that I think is very practical, Karen. So I'm going to pause there because I want to hear your thoughts as well. But I feel like that's where we have to begin. Oh, I completely agree because so often it's like if someone came to your front door, like a, a, a robber or an intruder came to your front door, you would do your utmost to stand against, to block that door and to refuse them entry. But the thoughts are exactly the same. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to sow these lies. He wants us to think these things. And I think that we passively accept them because exactly what you're saying, we have not been taught to filter and to rewrite the scripts under the gaze of the Holy Spirit with the Lord's truth. Like we read the Bible, we read these things. But do we actually believe them? Are we actually sowing them into our hearts and our minds so that they become the scripts from which we live? Exactly. Enough of us are doing that and we're not taught it. Right. Or we're afraid, oh, well, to say the word, I'm a woman of peace. I'm a woman of joy. I'm a woman of patience. Well, Angela, is that a lie? Because I'm not quite there yet. No, that's, that's what the Lord is speaking over us. Those are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're claiming those. And the more that, again, 
uh, even at Bill Nye's wedding, you know, we had Philippians 4, 8, whatever is good, whatever is true, whatever is beautiful, whatever is lovely. Think about these things because whatever we think about expands. That's right. This is the genius of how the father has knit us together and created our minds. And, and what a gift now that science is finally catching up. Exactly. You know, we have the, exactly. the neuroscience to back up the theology that we've had for millennia. Again, the gift of the genius of the church. So science is always backing up what the church has always known. But that's why if we are, we have to be so rooted and grounded in the gaze of the father. And that's why I love my dear Dear, our dear listeners here, St. Elizabeth of the Trinity, because her very first retreat that she wrote, Heaven and Faith, was for her sister Margaret, who was the mother of two small children. And, and exactly to give her the roadmap that we're, all of us are called to be mystics. Yes. And this is a moment in history where we actually need this. Yeah. Yeah. It's either we'll be mystics or we just won't be. Mm-hmm. That's where we're at today. There's, there's no lukewarm. There's no middle ground. There's no halfway. So. Elizabeth, I think is, is, I I pray she becomes another doctor of the church. I think she will be. She is our master instructor on living this profound contemplative life. We can literally retreat at any moment into the tabernacle of our hearts, into the gaze of the father, for him to speak his words of love and life and truth to then fortify our minds. And then the practical application of that script work, because we're saying scripts all day long. I'm too much. I'm not enough. I failed at this. I didn't do that. I'm exhausted. I'm messy. Let's just speak life. No, I am a beloved daughter. I am a good gift. I am a woman of peace. I am a woman of joy. I am a woman who is free. Um, you know, let's speak that because that's going to create our new reality. That's the truth of who we are as beloved daughters. That's our royal um, inheritance. We're not entitled to it, but it's a pure gift from the father. That's what his plan was for us in the beginning to be women fully alive and free and mm-hmm. animated by his spirit. Mm-hmm. Hundred percent, and you just need to look at the trajectory of those negative thoughts. Like, if if we can just put some space between ourselves and our thoughts for a moment, and if you write them down, I know I've just completed the Metanoia Catholic. Oh, they're amazing! You're in a matter incredible. So we're offering this coaching for women through the Genius Project now, taking them through this model, this trajectory of what are the circumstances, what are the thoughts, the feelings, the actions, the results that you're getting in your life, and so so often. Like if we're looking at the results and they're negative, then why would we keep choosing to think those thoughts? Because it is a choice. Like we actually can choose and we're called to choose. The the Lord has endowed us with this intellect and this will so that we can co-create our lives with him. So whatever has happened to us and objectively there are devastating things that have happened to people. Like I walk with many women Mm -hmm. whose lives have been blown apart by a whole whole range of great tragedies but even in the midst I have a beautiful friend who lost her son last year and makes me (laughs) have to edit this out but um, to watch her grieve and to watch her walk that journey and she will feel like she's not doing it very well but every day she gets up and she chooses like she chooses to seek the Lord she chooses to go after him it's extraordinary. Like it's extraordinary. And and we talk about Edith Stein and women being a place where other souls can unfold. Well, I know she feels so broken. I know she feels so empty and like she has absolutely nothing to give, but her mere witness is a gift. The way she's choosing to show up 
And and none of us do that perfectly, right? None of us are showing up perfectly. None of us are living perfectly. But when we're coming before the Lord, when we're bringing our pain, when we're bringing our negative beliefs, when we're bringing the trauma of our life, he can restore anything. He raised Jesus from the dead. So he can bring about restoration. We have to cooperate with that restoration. We just have to give our fiat and how beautiful, how providential that this is the direction the Holy Spirit has taken our conversation today, Karen. We just had, we just had the reading from Holy Mass on Sunday that I make all things new. The father is capable of making all things new. And my spiritual director, who is the, the greatest gift and blessing he shared, he said, Angela, even just looking at our world today, two thoughts, one, two thirds of the church are doing great. <laughs> the church victorious, the church suffering, two thirds of the church are thriving. I mean, like the church suffering, obviously they have the hope of heaven, right? It's just a third of us down here. that are having a bit of a hard time right now. <laughs> and even then everything that we see. And again, I know just talking with our dear friend, Therese frequently in Australia and what's in other friends in, in other parts of the world, what's happening here in the States. Like, it just seems like the pace is escalating yes. in the the, the dissolution of society, of, of Western civilization, of all that has been good, beautiful, and true about our cultures. That being said, if it's happening, it's because the Lord is allowing it. Nothing is outside of his will. Not that he wills this suffering that we're seeing today, but he's allowing it because it's speeding up the work of his redemption and restoration. And because he's going to somehow in the way that only the father can, he's going to bring about a greater good than had this never happened in the first place, mm. which is amazing. And so in the same way in our own, in the, in the exquisite uniqueness of each of our personal journeys, I'm so convicted that our areas of greatest pain of greatest suffering of greatest woundedness are precisely oftentimes correlated with our greatest gift and our greatest unique contribution to the mystical body of Christ. Amen. And that's where just to be so curious. And I love the, the beautiful women from the abiding together podcast. You know, I just, I love how they just encourage us to be curious about your story, mm-hmm. to yeah. be curious and know that, you know, I can now look, we can only connect those dots looking backwards, but the greatest pain, the greatest suffering in my life up to this point, I can now praise God for because it brought me here. It brought me to this place of freedom and joy. I didn't even know that was possible to the work that is my calling and greatest of all to meet my best friend and my, my husband, mm. Bill. And now to be entrusted with these two, we have two, we have a beautiful two-year-old daughter, Catherine Elizabeth, and another precious daughter, Felicity Grace on the way due in July. That is just, it's just pure, it's just miracle. Yeah. It's just absolute miracle that would not have been possible had I not gone through the suffering that I did. Yes, absolutely. And I think what you're saying, like the wife that you can be today and the mother that you are is a result of the work that you did. And so I just love to speak into that for a moment because I've had a number of conversations with women recently where they're really floundering and they are married and they have multiple children and multiple demands. And they're like, how, how can I get on top while I'm still being required to show up every day for these people? And I really believe that we, we, we have a choice. Everything is a choice. So we can choose to keep surviving and that's okay. 
that's sometimes the way it goes. It might be a further point down in the story for people to really encounter the Lord. But I don't believe the Lord wants us to survive our own lives. I believe he wants us to be in there, like active and enjoying our lives. And yes, there is hardship and yes, there is pain. But we can still emulate and carry this spirit of joy. And I think as women, we actually have an obligation to do the work so that we are showing up. We have an obligation to nourish our our soul and our minds and to put in the work and to invest in ourselves. And so often I hear women say, well, you know, I can't afford it or uh, there's all these other things that have to happen first in terms of time or money, energy, whatever it is. But I often ask them, what is it actually costing you not to do the work because yes it might cost you your time and yes it might cost you some money and yes it might cost you some energy to invest in yourself but actually if you choose not to do that it's still going to cost you and it's actually the cost is going to be probably exponentially greater a lot a whole lot more so here's one thing that i want to i just want to share with our listeners today that um Many of the women I am blessed to accompany kind of laugh at me at first when I suggest this and it doesn't matter their state of life, married, single, married with adult children, married with, you know, teenagers or babies. And I learned this practically speaking from my mom and my mother-in-law, both of whom are two of the women I admire most. My mother-in-law just turned 83. She looks about 60. She has more energy than my 16 year old niece. (laughs) My mom is in her uh, late sixties. Again, looks like she's 40 or 50. Again, incredible energy and phenomenal. They're both in exquisite shape. They've never dieted a day in their life. They eat in moderation. They drink water and they walk. They've never had a gym membership. They've, they own a good pair of tennis shoes. You maybe have some two pound weights. But I want to encourage our ladies today, no matter your season of life, and even with small children, because I have small children, and I was a very competitive athlete at one point in time where I would love to have two-hour workouts at the nice gym and do all my exercises, I walk. If if you can start walking 30 minutes a day, a couple of days a week, your life will change. You can take your children with you. It doesn't have to be even a power walk or a speed walk. But ladies, we have to restore those original harmonies that were broken in the garden. You know, what was, what happened when the serpent entered the relationship with God, ourself, others, and nature were destroyed. Mm -hmm. So one of the quickest ways back when we're feeling disconnected and as a means of stewardship is to get outside. I don't care how cold it is, (laughs) bundle everybody up, get everybody out. I live in Montana, get everybody outside for 20 or 30 minutes to feel the crunch of the gravel beneath your feet to listen to the breeze, to watch the leaves. It it's, it's a re to listen to our heartbeat is a reconnection. I have women whose lives have changed in three months, but the only thing they changed was starting a 30 minute walk. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't, that, that costs no money. Yes. Yep. You don't have to, you don't have a fancy pair of tennis shoes, just something that can get on your feet and keep you dry. But these simple, it's it, Karen, it's about the simple one degree changes. I'm turning off the social media. I'm turning on scripture. Yep. I'm going to say no to these Slowly. couple of things. So we can have <laughs> joy and freedom to be present with my children today. I'm going to ask myself of the 20 things I have, I had on my list. What's actually most essential. Yeah. Do we have the courage to simplify so we can magnify Mm, I love that. 
Say that again, Angela. Do we have the courage to simplify so we can magnify? Mm -hmm. So for the women here in in North America, we're entering into our summer. I know you're probably entering into your winter. Winter. (laughs) Um, So here, you know, it's like summer's coming. The kids are home. We have to be in 25 different activities. Do you really need to be in 25 different activities? What if every child had one activity? You know, I'm, I'm a product of a public school. I was, you know, I didn't do a whole bunch of fancy clubs. I got into a top university. I turned out great. (laughs) Your kids are going to turn out great, (laughs) you know? Um, But can we simplify so we can create that space in our life for just even just those simple renewal practices? It's, I love that word renewal because in our um, in our Catholic Women's Masterclass we're running, it's really around helping women develop four rhythms of renewal. And we start by looking at rest and we start with the basics. Like you said, getting out in nature, just spiritual direction. Many years ago I went on a retreat and the priest said, before you can hear from God, you need to have had a good night's sleep, had a good meal, gone for a walk outside and then come to the church. He didn't want to see anybody until they had done those basic things because we're an integration of body, mind, and soul. And so there's no point sitting in a church when you're exhausted or you're hungry. You need to go and nourish your body. And then you nourish your soul in terms of those activities that bring about restoration. So whether it's picking up a hobby or reading a book Mm -hmm. or just having some silence and solitude. And after you've done all that, then you can start working on your mind then you can start investing in your key relationships. And it's not selfish. I think there's this notion for women that it's selfish to invest in themselves, but it's actually selfish not to. And and I want to renounce that lie. And it'd be fascinating, Karen, in a future conversation, if we could just do some historical research and understand where that lie originated. Mm. Because I I just, I don't, because that, that actually is so the antithesis of the Catholic worldview. Again, I'd love to hold up our, 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 the the vision that St. Benedict had, you know, we had eight hours for rest, eight hours for our work, you had time for study, time for our meals, time for recreation. That's that integration. And even looking at the gift of, of our religious sisters. And we just thank you so much for your yes. And for your witness, for those who are listening, because even the way that even the act of contemplatives, you know, the liturgy of the hours provides this ebb and flow where you go out into the work, into the world, and then back to prayer. And then you know, out and back and out and back our Lord, you know, who was in the world those last three years in his, in his ministry, every morning he would get up early to go to the, the, to be with his father. So our Lord didn't do anything without resting in the father's heart. So as women, we have to reclaim and remember, and I think this is where it comes from, Karen. It's actually slaves don't have permission to rest. Beloved daughters of the King of King and Lord of Lords, we're actually made for the Sabbath. Hmm. And so it's that in, in our work, in our making our that sincere gift of, of self is an expression of our dignity. And again, that overflow that we're receiving from abiding in the Father and of those renewal practices. So that even if we only get to have a one minute conversation with someone, you know, people said encountering St. Mother Teresa, a one minute encounter would be life-changing. And the same thing can happen when we encounter a woman who is, is, is on that journey to integration and wholeness A mere encounter is like gazing before a beautiful painting or piece of artwork. It's so nourishing, so refreshing, so uplifting. 
That's our invitation. That's our call. Amen. Angela, that's awesome. Thank you so much. We could go for hours. <laughs> so good. You're going to need to come back and we're going to need to unpack so many more things. But I just want to thank you so much for your time today and just your wisdom. I think the word wounded healer comes to mind. And, mm. you know, we have these wounds. We sustain wounds in life, all of us. Yes. But when the redemption and the redemptive love of Christ can get into those places and restore us then we become healers and we become that gift to others and that's what you are and I just really want to affirm you for your yes and your beautiful ministry thank you so much oh Karen and thank you it just it's so beautiful that we are connected literally and in, in, through the mystical body but yet thousands of miles apart and yet to have such a kindred spirit who is doing such exquisite work. And um, I'm just so blessed by you and blessed by your ministry. And just let's just continue to pray for each other. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I enjoyed having that conversation with Angela. There are so many pearls of wisdom in what she had to share. So I hope and pray that something resonated with you and that they're not just words that are falling on your ears, but rather they become seeds that fall into the soil of your soul. I really want to encourage you to take some of these things to prayer and to ask the Holy Spirit to start to till the soil of your heart so that you can experience the freedom and the restoration that Christ wants to bring into your life. Angela touched on the need for community and how community was absolutely pivotal in bringing about restoration to her life after she experienced burnout and suffering with depression. She also touched on the fact that when she was diagnosed with depression, she felt a lot of shame. Now ladies, so often when we experience shame in life, our response is to go into hiding, is to withdraw and to isolate ourselves. But I want to encourage you, if this is you, if you are struggling in your life at the moment, not to withdraw and isolate yourself. When we're isolated, we're incredibly vulnerable to the lies of the enemy that tells us that we're not enough, that tells us that Christ can never restore the broken parts of our life. So ladies, I really want to encourage you to connect to community. Here at The Genius Project, we are building a community of Catholic women who can come alongside you and support you. Over the course of the year, The Genius Project hosts a number of events for Catholic women. These include our live virtual Catholic women's summits, as well as our in-person retreats and Catholic Women's Conferences. If you would like to find out more about any of these, please send me an email, karen at geniusproject.co. In just over a month's time, we're going to be launching our virtual connect groups for Catholic women. So if you would like to get connected with other women and to work through some of the things that we've discussed in this podcast, and just to go deeper in your faith, please send me an email and we will send you the information once these groups kick off. If any of the content that Angela and I discussed today really resonated with you and you feel that prompting by the Holy Spirit to take some action, to stop staying in the same negative patterns and to take a small step towards your own wholeness, well, I'd love to share with you a couple of ways in which you can do this. Here at The Genius Project, we are now offering Catholic coaching for Catholic women. We deep dive into presenting a model to you that is a tool that can really help you master your mind and to be renewed by the transformation of your mind. We offer a number of different coaching packages. So once again, send me an email, karen at geniusproject.co to find out more. The other initiative at The Genius Project to help bring about integration and wholeness in your life is The Genius Project Catholic 
Catholic Women's Masterclass. Now, this is a four-month journey of transformation where we walk you through four rhythms of renewal in your life that will equip you with the tools, the strategies, and the formation to start walking into this life of integration and wholeness that Angela and I spoke about. You can find out more about all of these things at our website, www.geniusproject.co. And you can join us on Instagram, genius underscore project underscore daily. Ladies, the Lord loves you too much to leave you where you are. So if the things that we discussed in today's podcast have resonated with you, I want to really encourage you to take action, whether it's a 30 minute walk around the block, as Angela said, but just one small step, little by little, can help walk you out of a place of brokenness and exhaustion and into the abundant life that Christ intends for you to live. Until next week, ladies, have a beautiful week and God bless you.